uh, saw God call all the people of the earth into his presence. And we uh, talked about the kind of reactions to this call and that the nations trembled at his mighty coming. And they tried to stave off that fear and tried to strengthen themselves by making strong idols. Uh, in contrast, we saw God strengthening his servant, as he called Israel, the offspring of Abraham, uh, people he had chosen and called from the farthest corners of the earth, and God gives them the command not to fear because the Lord had chosen them and had said he would not cast them off. Um, though his people were described in chapter 41 as lowly as a worm and poor and needy, God promises to uphold, him, uphold them with his righteous right hand while tenderly holding their right hand. He had that great uh, picture of sort of defending them with his strong hand while keeping uh, them safe in, in, in his grasp, uh, holding their right hand. A beautiful picture of God's uh, future deliverance that Isaiah describes is so certain that he can talk about it in the past tense. Um, today, we are again going to be talking about uh, the Lord's servant. Um, but this servant, instead of being delivered by God, is the one that comes to rule all the people of the earth in justice. Uh, chapter 42 presents the first of what are called the four songs of the servant, poetic descriptions of the servant of the Lord, a promised ruler who sacrifices himself to bring righteousness and justice to the nations. And as we see today, the coming of this servant represents a new thing in redemptive history that will bring forth a new song in response. So with that as an introduction, uh, let me read for us Isaiah chapter 42. Hear now the word of the Lord. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let the desert and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the habitations of Salah sing for joy. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, 
the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame, who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say restore. Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunders? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned, and whose ways they would not walk, and whose law they would not obey? So he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. Thus far the word of our God. Let's go before him and ask him to give us an abundance of his spirit that we might know his revelation to us. Let's pray. Almighty God, truly you are the Lord, who alone is just and righteous. You alone who are holy, 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 as your prophet Isaiah tells us. Lord God, if we came into your presence without a covering, if we came into your presence uh, in our sin, naked and dead in our sin, we would not be able to stand. We too, like the nations, would fall away. But Lord God, you have told us that we do not have to fear in your presence, that we do not have to tremble because of our sin. We do not have to be... Uh, overwhelmed by your power because although you are almighty you are also loving and that you are tender toward the poor and the needy that you bring light to the blind that you take the captive out of the dark hole of the dungeon and bring them into your glorious light. Lord God, we confess our blindness. We confess our need of you. Help us to see the glorious light of your gospel, the glorious light of your presence, the glorious light of your servant who brings your light before the world and who seeks to establish a kingdom not just within the parameters of one earthly realm, but who establishes a kingdom and justice over the entirety of the earth. Lord God, help us to be citizens of that kingdom. Equip us to be messengers. Help us to be servants of the servant. As we discuss your word today, give us insight into it. Show us yourself, and through showing us yourself, show us ourselves and our need for you and the strength that we have, the power we have through your spirit. <coughs> open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear as we turn to your word this morning by Christ, through the power of your spirit, amen. All right, so just like chapter 41, we have a servant described. 
But this servant uh, seems uh, a little bit different than that servant we saw back in chapter 41. Let me just read you a little snippet of the servant we saw in 41. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So um, in, in chapter 42, we're introduced to, again, behold my servant. So in chapter 42, what does the servant look like? What characteristics is this servant uh, possessing? What work is this servant charged to do? What does chapter 42 tell us about our servant? Yeah, Ron. Yeah, and that seems to be the, the major theme of this first of the servant songs. Each one has a, you know, they're all dealing with the servant of the Lord, but they all have a slightly different emphasis. And the emphasis on this one is justice. Notice how many times justice shows up uh, in these first four verses. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Uh, verse 3, he will faithfully bring forth justice. Verse 4, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. So as we see this servant, this is a servant who is bringing um, justice. And, uh, and when we think justice, don't just think, you know, right judicial order. Um, the way the Hebrew term mishpat uh, or justice is often used is to, um, to describe an entire social order. Um, uh, justice, he will bring justice to the nations, which means more than just judicial equity but a societal order in which the concerns and needs of every citizen is met. A society in which there is no justice is a society which uses brute force to protect and aggrandize just a privileged few. God's answer to the oppressors of the world is not more oppressive, nor is his answer to arrogance more arrogance. Um, but in quietness, humility, and simplicity, he will take all of the evil into himself and return only justice. Um, so that's, the, you know, as we see that justice there, you know, it's, it's a different kind of justice that's being established. You know, um, you can think of, you know, a repressive, repressive regime that has, like, lots of law-abiding <laughs> law citizens, uh, you know, and that there's justice in the land. But this isn't that, you know, notice it's a very different kind of picture of how justice is being established. It's not being established by dominance. Um, good. What else does our passage say about our servant of the Lord? Yeah, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. There's this. Um, that, that's a great uh, observation. If you look at the very what Tim's referring to, the very last word or chapter or verse of chapter 41, um, behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are an empty wind. So this kind of summary of idols that he had been giving in chapter 41, and then chapter 42 starts with this deliberate contrast. Again, we get that behold. So it's like. You know, he, he summed up his argument about idols, you know, his description of them. Behold, they're all a delusion, they're vanity, they're nothing. And then, behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. Um, so as we think about who the servant is, he's the opposite of that picture uh, of idols. Um, you know, this, is a, uh, this servant is bringing strength rather than... Again, like that picture we had in 41 of them needing to strengthen their idols, you know, to kind of, you know, as, as Matthew preached a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, it's, you know, this, the, uh, or was it Jerry? I can't, they're all blurring together. Samuel, um, you know, the, the image 
of the Philistine god, you know, fallen, you know, they keep having to prop it back up because it keeps falling over before the ark of the Lord. Um, and, you know, so idols, you know, they're, they're the works of human hands that humans have to strengthen them. And then as we see in the servant, uh, the servant is, is bringing forth strength for the people. So there's this great contrast between the, the picture of empty idols we get in 41 and the picture of the servant of the Lord that he's presenting here in 42. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, it's a very different picture. Uh, again, you all, often we think of justice as being established by a strong hand. You know, you, you need, you, you know, you need a, like, for example, for um, the, you know, to, for civil rights to be established in the United States. You know, you needed a strong federal government who is going to go into local communities and make sure the law is upheld. You know, we think of, you have to have a strong power to establish justice. Whereas this, you know, it's, as Bill says, it's this tender establishment of justice. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So the way, the manner in which justice is bring forth, again, is totally different from the way um, power is so often exercised on the earth. And notice, um, you know, the mission that um, he's, he's being given in, in verses 6 and 7. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. So as we think about how this servant's justice is being established on the earth, it's a justice, again, we can often, and I was thinking about this in terms of our own society, how... You know, we have a judicial system, but, you know, it's a judicial system, frankly, that's, that's tempered toward the people who can afford good legal counsel, um, you know, who have the, the wealth and resources. I mean, again, it's not, it's, it's the flaw of humanity. You know, we, <laughs> we, are, we are awed by wealth and, and human power. And that's the way earthly judicial systems work. They tend to be slighted toward the, you know, the needle tends to fall more toward the benefit of, you know, the powerful and the few. Whereas this needle uh, of the justice that's being established by the servant is being pointed toward the, the most powerless people in society. Um, people who are otherwise blind and, and, and uh, unable to have any kind of, of recourse uh, in themselves. Um, good. What else would we say about this servant? Um, yeah, Jane. Uh, we're going to come to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to deal with that. But let's, let's put that one on hold for right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is an uh, excellent question. It's my third question, and um, I really need somebody to answer it for me. Because <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah. But we'll get there. Um, all right, but in the, let's sort of, like the first nine verses, well, what's the picture of the servant we get there? So, but uh, good, good observation. We'll, we'll need to deal with that um, substantively. <laughs> um, other things we want to say about our, our servant. So we have this servant um, who's establishing uh, justice, um, doing so, uh, as Bill said, in a very tender way. Um, what else would you say about um, our servant here. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, and all the servant songs, you know, uh, you know, are all going to seem very familiar with to us because they all show up in the New Testament to describe uh, the mission of Jesus. 
So as we think about the identity of the servant, you know, um, you know, uh, we have several options. So last time we talked about the servant uh, described in 41 is his chosen people, uh, Israel and the, this offspring of Abraham that he's called from the farthest ends of the earth. But now this servant seems to be um, different from just the, the people. Um, and so, you know, the options for interpreting who the servant is, uh, one, uh, we could say, well, it's still the same servant, the people, um, and that's the typical kind of traditional Jewish interpretation um, of this passage, that it's still referring to the people, Israel. Um, or uh, it's referring to this Messiah, um, this person we were introduced. Um, if you flip all the way back, um, uh, let's see if I can put my finger on it immediately. If you go all the way back to chapter 11, for example, um, uh, this just one of the passages we saw, kind of messianic passages we saw earlier in the chapter. Uh, there shall come forth from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wickedness. Wicked, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So um, again, that seems to be a very similar portrait we are given again of this coming future king in the earlier uh, chapters of Isaiah seems very similar to this description of the servant of the Lord. And this language, um, it's, it's presentation language. You know, behold my servant whom I behold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. You get very similar kind of, again, kind of presentation language with the, um, uh, both in the Bible with the announcements of, of major figures, like if we're, we're not gonna turn there, but you know, Abraham's described in kind of similar way in Genesis 26, Moses in Exodus, David in 2 Samuel. Um, in non-biblical literature, this, especially the phrase, uh, he will bring forth justice, uh, is a phrase that's often um, uh, used at the presentation of a monarch. So there's, a, uh, even though this is a servant, um, there's this, you know, this undercurrent. This is a servant who is bringing rule, um, who's, again, that's kind of, especially with the establishing justice. But instead of uh, an earthly king who's called to establish justice, you know, within the boundaries of his realm, um, this servant is establishing justice uh, to, to the entire earth, uh, to all the nations. So it's not just one particular place that justice is being established. But this is an umbrella of justice being established over the entirety of the earth and all the nations. Yeah. Yeah, and it, again, it's sort of um, the the picture of justice or the picture of prisoners that Isaiah has given us earlier. You know, think back to those passages where he's described a legal system that, that is, again, slanted against the people who can't defend themselves. You know, that it's, you know, um, justice that's turned aside to a bribe. Um, you know, we've had judges who, you know, you know slide them a dollar, I'll side, you know, I'll side the case, you know, just settle the case in your favor, you know, because you're my friend or, you know, we're of the same social class or because you gave me a payment. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, um, his, his understanding of justice is um, oh, the people that are imprisoned, um, yeah, uh, might be wrongfully imprisoned or, again, are, um, yeah, those are the people in need. Um, again, as he's looking and just sort of think, you know, the, 
prisoners are coupled with, with, with the blind. You know, these are people who, who are in need. Uh, they can't make their way on their own. At least, I like how it, it even describes, you know, like uh, a blind person can make their way around a familiar setting, um, but, you know, it goes, well, let's take that blind person and put them in a new place. And that's what, that's what um, people are like. You know, they are stumbling around in the, in the dark dungeon, stumbling around as blind men in need of light. And notice that it's not just the, um, the servant is bringing light. The servant is light. <laughs> um, I will give you, as a covenant for the people, a light for the nation. So he's giving, the Lord is giving this servant as a light himself. Um, not just one who is like, you know, um, yeah, sort of opening the doors um, and bringing some external light. But this servant is light himself, is a covenant himself. Again, that's a kind of weird way to sort of think. He's not bringing this. You know, usually a king establishes a covenant with the people, but this king is the covenant. Um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, again, it's this kind of, this servant, and again, as we think about who it is, and again, why the New Testament uses these so much, because it is establishing a servant who is also God, um, who shares the glory with God, and to go back to what with Tim was saying, um, it's this contrast with idols, you know, work set up by human hands, you know, that they're worshiping, um, behold the former things, or, you know, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. But this one um, is uh, possessing the glory of God, is worthy of the worship that no other deserves. And notice he has some of the same attributes. Um, uh, back in, in chapter 40, you know, we were presented, uh, this is chapter 40, verse 28. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And then in our passage, verse 4, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. So again, very similar language, you know, deifying language is being used to describe this servant. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, and the blindness is really, a, you know, it's a, it's a self-inflicted uh, blindness. Um, you know, and, and that's the way Isaiah has used blindness throughout. It's people who, have, who can't see. And, um, and blindness, you know, just like I, I said, justice is kind of a quality of the servant that's established in this song. Blindness is the quality of the people he's coming to deliver. Um, and notice it's, it's three times. Um, verse 6 and 7, I will give you as a covenant for the people a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind. Um, then again in verse 16, and I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know and pass they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. And then again, um, the whole uh, section 18 to 25 is dealing, again, with blindness um, as a characteristic of the people once again. Yeah.
yeah, that he's fulfilling both halves of the covenant. And I think that's why, um, you know, uh, we could start moving to my second question. You know, why describe this as a new, you know, why do we need a new song here? Or what's new about it? And I think you're getting to, you know, why a new song? You know, what, what is it about the coming of the servant that is, is new? And it's, it's, we've had covenant language all along, but what's new? Well, now you have uh, the servant who is the covenant who's going to uphold both, uh, continue the fidelity that God's maintained throughout the covenants, but will also substitute his righteousness for the people, that he's going to take the co their covenant upon himself for them. Mary, you had your hand up. And that seemed, you know, the, the section I read from chapter 11 had that very language that, he, you know, he's not going to be swayed by, you know, you know, all right, this guy's richly dressed, you know, and this person, you know, looks all slovenly. Who am I going to believe? You know, think of how many show, TV shows where, you know, the, the you know, who's going to believe you, look at you, you know, that kind of, you know. Are they going to trust you, your word or my word? Because, you know, I'm all dressed and, you know, everybody, I, you know, I have the appearance. And this, is a, this justice is not going to be swayed by appearance. And we'll come back to that as we try to settle that with my third question, um, trying to settle. And what, who is the servant? Uh, in what sense is the servant blind? Um, which is, I, I will get there. Um, uh, all right, well, let's, um, since we kind of turned a little to the new song, um, let, let's talk a little bit about that before we uh, wrestle with this kind of thornier question of the blind servant. Um, but why a new song? Um, and, you know, we, we've touched a little uh, on this, but what's new about the new song? What does it mean to sing to the Lord a new song? And maybe looking at the content of the song before us helps to sort of understand what's new about it or what's not so new. Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah, the new song is a result of this new work of God. Um, and as James said, you know, we've had this covenant established you know, in Isaiah, over and over again, has sort of talked about the covenant. Remember, the book started off with this kind of covenant lawsuit. This is the terms of the covenant governing the relationship between you and God. And you've, you know, and remember, in their violation of the covenant, they, uh, well, rather than me try to remember, I should, should just read God's words or better than my words. Um, you know, um, in this covenant lawsuit, the, the people, um, remember, we should not have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Um, and, and God tells them, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. So, you know, he's talked about the, the covenant and how the people have violated it and they continue to violate it. Um, and there needs to be this, you know, um, something new has to happen to enable them to fulfill the terms of this covenant. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, and it, it's this establishing uh, um, uh, the, you know, the kind of unfolding over time. Um, and he's given them 
uh, opportunity after opportunity. And, and part of that blindness that we see in the chapter on the part of the people is a blindness to understanding their own history, their own past. And again, um, I, I often say I, I, I'm a colonial American historian because, you know, I, I need 100 years of hindsight. <laughs> um, it, it's the things that are much closer to me that I have a much harder time, that I'm blind to, that I'm seeing. You know, I, I, I often describe it, I know I've used this story, but I love talking about Dr. Payne. My driver's ed teacher, Mr. Payne, taught me about blind spots. You know, the, the spot where, you know, you're driving your car and you're looking in your mirrors, but those mirrors don't cover everything. And I, I, I think about this in terms of Christians. We all have this kind of blind spot, you know, this area of our lives where we have to uh, make an effort um, to, to discover it. Um, and we can go along happily and blithely, um, you know, with this, you know, area of blindness, this area of kind of unchecked in our lives. And that's, that's kind of the, what's happening with the people. They're, they're blind, and we've seen that in the book, them not being um, uh, cognizant of all the things that are going on around them. Um, they're reacting um, to, you know, to, to kind of get themselves out of things rather than exercising that trust in God. Yeah, Rob. It, yeah, it's the yeah, it's the ends. Yeah, it's the outskirts. Um, when you're talking about something, so the coastlands, uh, you know, it's it's coming. You know, this message again isn't for just um, one particular place. You know, it's from you know shoreland to shoreland, <laughs> um, from California no to New York Island. Sorry, channeling my inner uh, '60s song. Um, but, um, but yeah, so the, it's this, this, uh, this and again, what's new about this song is, um, is the establishment of this reign, um, this revelation of God uh, is a light not just to Israel, but a light to the nations. And part of the problem has been um, these people who have been, um, remember, they've been charged by Isaiah to be a beacon to the nations, and instead of being this kind of showing God forth to the nations, by turning to idols, um, they're, they're them keeping themselves in darkness and by default, keeping the nations around them in darkness as well. Yeah, and the new song is, in a sense, the new song, you know, uh, part of the reason I, what's new in the new song, it, it's mostly a description of God, and there's not really anything, yeah, it's not different, but maybe what's different, as a, why is it a new song? Because now they see it. <laughs> That's what's new, that they who've been blind to this God who's been present among them now see, <laughs> and so it's, it's a new song in the sense of, whoa. And to go back to, um, to what uh, Andy had said, this kind of um, that the Lord has been patient and he's waited. And, you know, again, his, you, he has this kind of, to them, maybe seeming inactivity. Uh, God's not doing anything. And it's not that he's not doing anything. He's waiting for the right moment. And at that right moment, it, like, breaks in. You know, it's, you know, it's, um, oh, what? Like the in uh, Lord of the Rings in Two Towers, where you know they're, the the fortress is about to fall, and then Gandalf comes over the hill, and you know at the break of dawn, and light breaks forth, and you know everything changes. It's that kind of moment, you know, that it, it looks like the battle's lost. It's the deepest dark of night, and then dawn breaks, you know, and and ushers in a total new reality. And it's that kind of image we're given here of of them suddenly uh, perceiving, you know, this God among them. Rob, what were you gonna say? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and, and notice uh, laying waste to mountains and hills. I mean, it, the picture there is everything that you kind of um, take, take for, for granted, you know, that, you know, think of how, like, um, I'm, I'm not great at orienteering, but, you know, you, you find that fixed position, you know, you find a couple of fixed positions, and that's how you figure out where you are. And, you know, this kind of taking everything that we think is fixed and certain, and he's laying waste to it. Um, well, it's, it's certainly pointing to, yeah, this, this glorious work of God um, um, conquering all our enemies, and the greatest of which is sin and death. Yeah, and and the destruction again is this is is that Rob was talking about is related to um, I will lay lace lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands, dry up the pools, and I will lead the blind in a way they do not know, in paths they have not known. I will guide them. You know, so the the destruction, the the you know again the warrior is waging war in order that the, you know, his blind people can, can walk on level, safe ground. Yeah? Yeah, and there's this this great picture uh, of, you know, of these this needy people, um, and who's being put to shame? They are turned back and utterly put to shame. Who trust in carved idols? Who say to metal images, "You are gods"? You know, these people who trust in the work of their own hands. All right, so uh, we got to do. We got ten minutes, so we got to deal with the question that James raised earlier. Um, so. Isaiah calls the blind to see, the deaf to hear. We get that. The call of Isaiah back, way back in chapter 6 told him that he was being sent to a people who would not see and hear. People would be blind and deaf. Okay, I'm with you. Um, why is this servant? Who is blind but my servant? Or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one? Or blind as the servant of the Lord? Um, Okay, <laughs> uh, is this the blind leading the blind? Um, how do we make sense of this section? Yeah, Chris. Okay, so, and again, uh, back in chapter 41, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took for the ends of the earth. So, um, option one, we'll call this, is when he's talking about this blind servant, you know, again, we've already had two servants. We had servant Israel, and then we've had this kind of servant of the Lord, and now he's switching back to addressing that, that servant uh, Israel. Um, so uh, the servant, uh, the blind servant here is, is a, you know, he's flipping back to his other use of the word servant. So that's, that's option one. We were talking about two different servants here. All right. We happy with that or we have other options? <laughs> um, 
What else might it be? So one, one pathway is, all right, so he's talking about um, different servants. So the servant changes. The blindness stays the same, but we've switched positions to now talking about the other servant. Yeah, that there's a, all right, so um, I, I was describing or thinking about this as um, uh, the um, redemptive aspect of it, justification. I think you're absolutely right. This kind of, he's, he's blind um, to our sin. Um, and, and the kind of redemptive aspect of it uh, as well. Um, you know, I, uh, I mean, if this, this kind of idea, so he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. So, um, are, you know, are we interpreting that as, again, he's in, uh, I was kind of thinking of that, it could be interpreted, the, the kind of pain of the cross, you know, that, you know, he is suffering the sins of all humanity and sort of think that night in Gethsemane. Um, where he's, you know, he weeps blood because he knows what he's about to face. So is he, is it that kind of redemptive aspect of it? Yeah. Yeah, and I, so this, uh, so that would be my third option, which I kind of thinking of as my incarnational option. That he, he is, you know, in order to deliver the, you know, blind humanity, he's become human. Um, he's taken on flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah, he didn't come and, and live in, in palaces. He came and lived among the poor and lowly, had no place to call his home. Um, yeah, so that uh, it's part of this incarnation, incarnational identification with his people. So those are kind of the three options that I, um, I kind of, as, as I was wrestling with this. Um, so what do y'all think? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Yeah, so, um, uh, um, and as we think about it, um, I mean, hear you deaf, and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send, who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord. He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteous sake, to magnify his law and make it glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will attend and listen for the time to come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunder? Was it not the Lord against whom we've sinned and whose ways they would not walk, and in whose law they would not obey. So he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand it. Burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. So if we're taking Chris's option, that he, this is talking about the servant Jacob, which, again, was back in, in 41, and that's what it's going to continue in 43. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, so if we're taking that route there, um, that the servant is, is you know, giving this description, again, of, of Israel who's not understanding their own history. Um, he's poured on them the heat of his anger and the might of battle. He's, he's you know, let them be besieged by Egyptians and Assyrians and Babylonians, and they still don't get it. <laughs> um, they have to have Again, this kind of, uh, they are blind, um, and they have to have this light shine upon them. Um, 
So, he, so if we're taking that, then this is kind of a, a unpacking of the, the blindness that we saw earlier in the chapter, um, that it's exposing the people's lack of insight, their uh, inability to perceive the implications and meanings of their own history and experiences. They failed to recognize what God was, was about and calling them. They failed to learn their lessons that their experiences with God should have taught them. Um, so if we're taking at that case, the servant's blind because he does not draw the correct implications from the experiences he has with God. Yeah, and that sense in John, you know, I am the light of the world. And, you know, whichever interpretation we end up with choice, I mean, I, I think we can all agree that um, the, the baseline is he's establishing that this world is a dark dungeon full of blind people that need the light of the world to break into it. Um, and, and that seems to be the, the point of the message, you know, with either option we take that it's establishing the people as blind and totally without hope of rescue or restoration unless this servant of the Lord comes into their experiences, the light of the world bursts into their darkness and gives them a light that lets them now see and, and be able to sing that new song. He's using two senses of servants, which again, was what makes this chapter, uh, or the end part of this chapter, difficult. Because he, he's clearly using servant of the people, but he's also using servant, and he's going to keep using them. Um, and he's going to be switching back and forth. <laughs> and, and I want us, and he's not doing it to confuse us. I think it, he's doing it to emphasize that our hope is in the same pathway of him. Again, that his, you know, our hope isn't in taking power to ourselves, but following his pathway to power. And his pathway to power, as Isaiah is going to unfold before us, is death and suffering. Um, you know, his, he's, he's, he's redefining rule. And he's redefining um, our, our understanding of, of success. And the path of success for Isaiah is being a servant of God. Um, and being a servant of God means taking that, that message, uh, being that beacon, being that light to the nations, regardless of the cost. Um, and, and Jesus is the, you know, the, the model servant because he's going to you know, drink that cup of God's wrath to the dregs, that he's going to, you know, by his stripes we are healed. He is going to deliver himself over, he's going to conquer death by um, giving himself to death, um, suffering that death in order to conquer it. 
Yeah, our identity comes, and yeah, it's the way our identity is being attached to the one whom we identify with, you know, that, um, that, you know, just as we bear the name Christ when we call ourselves Christian, um, all, we're called to, to follow in his steps and, and servanthood. You know, again, that's how Jesus describes leadership in the New Testament. I mean, what is the word he uses over and over again for the leaders of the church but servant? Um, and that is what we're called to do. Um, all right, well, we're at our time. So um, uh, if you have other thoughts, again, we're in a huge section that these themes are going to be coming up over and over again. So, um, um, yeah, feel free to go back to earlier chapters or go to forward chapters um, as we go along. Uh, but next week, God willing, we'll do um, chapter 43, which is one of my favorite chapters in Isaiah. Um, but let's pray. Almighty God, you are the light of the world, and you are the only truly just one. Uh, we confess that um, we are blind to your light and to your law and that um, we open our eyes and are swayed by the things that we see, um, that we don't distribute uh, justice uh, on the basis of, of, of righteousness, but we distribute justice on the base of how we're swayed by circumstances, by what we hear and see. Um, but you, Lord God, you establish your justice uh, over all the earth. And uh, we are the prisoners in dungeons uh, until you break forth and give us light. We are the blind uh, in a foreign place, uh, afraid to take a step, not knowing um, if there is um, an abyss uh, one step before us. But you are the one who brings light to the eyes of the blind. Lord God, as we read this chapter, uh, we think of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who has entered into uh, a sinful humanity, uh, a sinful world, and lived a perfectly righteous life, uh, and who uh, came to establish his everlasting kingdom um, by death, by conquering the grave. By He came not to, to serve, uh, or not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lord God, that is our hope. And, uh, uh, and as we think about it, it does uh, make us uh, like um, the, the people in Isaiah we hear here, uh, sing a new song, uh, a new song that um, centers on who God is and has always been. Um, but we see uh, you in a new light, uh, when we see you uh, through your servant, uh, Jesus Christ. Help us now in the coming hour to worship him and to worship you and the Holy Spirit through him. Uh, triune God, uh, eternal and almighty, uh, in the beginning, now, and forevermore. Uh, we worship you and we praise you, O Lord, and help us by your spirit uh, to be a light to the world around us. In these things we pray. Amen.